Today on our To Win the Many podcast, we have Dr. Greg Mathias. Dr. Mathias is an associate professor of global missions. He also is a divisional associate dean, and he directs the Global Mission Center at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, we're going to talk about missions, and who better than Dr. Greg Mathias. Thanks for joining us, brother. Appreciate the invite. Always good to uh, be with you and join you on this podcast. Well, let's start with, uh, I, you know, I told you this before we began talking, that you are a, a fairly normal person. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everyone would agree, but I appreciate it, yeah. So how does a, a normal guy mm-hmm. uh, from North Carolina end up uh, in missions, serving overseas? How does that work? Give me your yeah, background, yeah. How, how all of that happened for you. No, that's good. I'll give you uh, some highlights. Again, uh, my normal story from a normal guy. And it really started, I always point back to when I was uh, younger. I'm a military brat uh, growing up. And uh, not a glamorous thing, but I, I really do think that was even part of the Lord beginning to stir in me. We moved around when I was little, we lived in some some different spots, and then we ended up uh, landing uh, for a lot of my growing up years in a, in a pretty transient place, uh, Virginia Beach area. Spent time there, so I really think that's a part of it. But really fast forwarding, there, there's quite a few things I could point to, but for me, it was when I first hit college, I was introduced to this book, Uh not the Bible. I already knew that before. <laughs> That's a good book. Yeah, too, it is right? a good book. And, and I would encourage everyone to uh, spend some time in that, and you'll see God's heart for the nations. But uh, this other book, it really was, and I reference this a lot, but but it was meaningful to me by an old writer, David Bryant, in The Gap. Hmm. And he puts out these ideas that I've kind of borrowed and, and kind of built on throughout my life. But one of those was he talks about this idea of being a world Christian. I'd never heard that idea before. And he contrasts that with what he calls pea-sized, that little green thing, pea-sized Christianity. And he just describes, he's like, look, if if all you think about in your walk with the Lord is uh, your Bible study, your church, uh, your growth, whatever it might be, he says, you probably have pea-sized Christianity. He said, you should always live in light of the world and need and lostness. And that really began to strike a chord with me. And so then I had an opportunity uh, through some encouragement to, to really spend some time overseas for the first time uh, later on in college and went to the Middle East. And it was during that time that I was able, first of all, just to, to be among a different culture, different people. And then as I engaged people, I had an opportunity to see a young man uh, from a Muslim background place his faith in Christ and this was a short-term mission Yeah, trip? this was short-term wow. and, and saw that, which isn't That's normal. That's a pretty big deal. It huh? is a big deal. It, it doesn't happen a lot. And and uh, I always I call him lifeguard because he wore this T-shirt with a lifeguard thing <laughs> on it all the time. And uh, I remember the, it was, uh, the next morning or within about 24 hours, uh, and I've told this story other places, but it, but it was significant that uh, I heard uh, this knock on my door, uh, the apartment I was standing with some other guys that were there with, with me that summer, and it was lifeguard. And all he had in his hand was a little kind of plastic grocery store bag with a couple of things in it and like a sheet. And I said, what are you doing, lifeguard? And he just told the story that in his excitement, he went home and told his parents about 
uh, his faith in Jesus and his dad said, you're dead to me and kicked him out. Good. And so, I mean, that was for me, that was, uh, you know, and so uh, we we took him in, we spent time with him over the next few weeks and and got him connected uh, in this part of the Middle East. There are some legacy churches or traditional churches, got him connected with some believers uh, for ongoing growth and discipleship. But needless to say, that that reshaped my entire world. Uh, and so the Lord had been building into me. And so as I got back, I said, Lord, I, I want to be used by you. I don't know what that means. I want to go into some sort of ministry. And I had the nations kind of in, in my side view mirror, if I could put it that way. Uh, and for me, uh, the Lord just began to open up opportunities. Um, and every every time I turned around, I was spending time with internationals. Uh, I went into the business world for a little while. And then uh, after I married my wife, Paige, now we uh, we had a season in campus ministry, but always connecting with internationals. Then we went overseas together. Uh, and the Lord really used that to confirm to us, I want you to do this long term. And so then that's when we pursued, uh, we really wanted to be connected to the church, sent out by the local church. Uh, and so that sent us to seminary. And then we lived in the Middle East for a number of years with our family. And uh, even since being back here in the U.S., I will say that we are a family who considers ourselves a missionary family, mm-hmm. but also a family that whatever we do, we want to position ourselves. Are we making disciples? Uh, are we thinking about the nations? Yeah, yeah. Man, I have so many questions on that. That's a phenomenal yeah. story. Yeah. So you're in college when that happens. Yeah, in college. Were, at that point, were you? did you already feel like God was calling you into sort of a vocational yeah. ministry? Yeah. And, and one of my questions um, with that is uh, – so obviously while we're here, we're dealing with uh, younger people, young people, right. students who mm-hmm. are wrestling with a call, yeah. right? Yeah. So they come here oftentimes and they feel called of God, mm-hmm. but they're not real sure what that looks like. Right. How, what was uh, sort of the, the clarifying uh, connection for you uh-huh. – uh-huh that it was not necessarily going to be in the context of a local church in right. North America, yep. that it was missions going yeah, overseas. Yeah, yeah. What were some of those? Help, help no, those good. students uh, think through, all right, this is this. You, you might be leaning more towards missions than right. staying no, here right. in this context. Yeah, I think that's a great question, and I just appreciate, Blake, just that, that word and that term, that category of calling. I believe in mm-hmm. that. I know sometimes that gets kind of pushed back on, but I, I think there's something there. Absolutely. And so what it looked like in my life, I also believe in kind of two big uh, paintbrushes, if I could put it that way, that there's awareness that God begins to stir up in you for Him, for how He wants to use you, but then following awareness, you take action. You move into that. And I think as you move forward, God stirs up more awareness, confirms things, that type of thing. And that was true Mm -hmm. in my life. And so some of those big pieces were, again, clearly was taking that opportunity to to really step outside of anything I knew and go cross-culturally, go overseas. And so that was a big thing uh, in terms of God clarifying my calling. Uh, As I said before, when I came back, uh, that's when I wrestled with, because before that, I wasn't clear on going into ministry or not. I was in a large public university, enjoyed time there, definitely shared my faith and things of that nature, but I was pursuing other uh, vocations. Mm -hmm. But as I came back, I was like, Lord, I think you're moving me, stirring me to serve you in a more full-time capacity. And at that time, the nations, clearly I was stirred up for that. And the other thing, I'd been really involved outside of my local church in some campus ministry. And so that was my category. So again, awareness, 
beginning to take action. So I took that next step. And as I did that, uh, the Lord, again, uh, more opportunities to go overseas. Uh, every time I turned around, I was spending time in, uh, with internationals. Mm. This sounds really silly. I love ethnic food. And so, <laughs> and that sounds really silly, but the Lord even used that of yeah. just seeking that out and meeting people. And I thought, man, I really, Lord, there's not a lot of, it was also that need mm-hmm. because I understood that there are literally millions, if not billions of people, not only who haven't heard or haven't heard well about the gospel, but dying and going to hell, that became a reality for me, even as I spent time in other forms of ministry. And so as I continued to read, to minister, to see what God was stirring up around me, I was like, Lord, I, I'm looking around thinking, I think it's me. I, mm. I think you're calling me to take steps of obedience to go overseas. And I tell students this all the time, uh, my wife and I, because I think it's a family decision, we we're on yeah. the same page, yeah. from the time we felt like the Lord wanted to take us full-time overseas as missionaries till the time, from that moment until we actually ended up overseas was probably about a decade. Uh, and in the midst of that, it really was a time of training, equipping, trying, failing, growing, and then being affirmed by the local church and others, and then being sent out. And I think that was an important piece for yeah. us. All right, two aspects there I'd like to go in a little bit okay. deeper. One yeah. is you mentioned the affirmation from the local church. Yep. We talk about this on the side of pastoral ministry. Right. There's this internal call right. where you have this urge, this yeah. desire, right? The external call is people go, hey, I could really mm-hmm. see you. Yeah. Were people affirming that from the standpoint of, have you ever thought about being a missionary? Yeah. Were yeah. they were they doing it like that, or was it more of a general ministerial calling? Mm-hmm. Did you get that affirmation specifically of missions? And then the uh, secondly there, was your wife, did she feel called to missions yeah. prior yeah. to y'all uh, beginning a relationship? Right, yeah. Uh, the first thing uh, in terms of that internal, external, and mm-hmm. I think that's really, really important because uh, a lot of internal stirrings and callings, yeah, we need to speak more clearly to people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're hearing, you're not hearing correctly. But uh, so I clearly had that internal uh, stirring and calling. The external came. Some of it was general, just as I took steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I would say this: the local church was affirming of those steps. They weren't saying. I don't think that you have the capacity or the gifting for that. But the other was other people speaking into my life through discipleship and through the local church of you've really you seem to have a passion for this. You seem to have gifting for this. You're spending your time uh, interacting with internationals. Have you thought there might be a way to do this more full time? And have you considered these pathways? So it was a mix of all of those things. And that's helpful when you're trying to discern or figure yeah. out what does the Lord want me to do? I think, again, as you have awareness, step forward in action. And part of that is it's not just the Lord confirming or affirming. It's giving opportunities from others to see you in action and say, this is really good, or have you thought about this? And so that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. In terms of uh, my wife, uh, by the time we got married, we were on the same page. Uh, and uh, and before that, even dating, uh, the Lord took her overseas right before she graduated and did some things individually in her life okay. that then as she came back from that was kind of confirmation that, hey, we're going to step forward together in this. And I mean, you know, I mean, you and I are both good looking guys. So, uh, you know, she knew what I was doing and wanted to do that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, yeah, the I Lord really did. Uh, he did call us together. And I think the Lord does that if you're married, uh, not always at the same pacing or timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes that's where he gives you that 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 husband or that wife that can kind of help you 
uh, re-shift what that calling might look like. But I truly believe he puts you kind of facing the same direction. He did that for us, and for us it really was uh, ministering to the nations. Uh, And so we were we're glad to do that together. Yeah. All right. And then you begin having children. We did. How do you raise up four girls? Mm. Lord help you. Lord Amen. bless you. Right? Amen. <laughs> All right. Now, how do you bring up your children yeah. in that environment mm-hmm. uh, in which you're also uh, nurturing them right. in their right. walk with the Lord, but also uh, helping them to continue to face sort of outward? Mm. And it's not just inwardly facing as a family, but yeah. outwardly facing and giving them or trying to stir within them, I should say, mm-hmm. a heart and a burden for what y'all have signed up for, right? Right. right. They didn't no, necessarily that's right. That's volunteer right. and sign up for. No, I think that's so. Good. How do you do that with your with your kids, or yeah. or how have you seen that go well? What right. were some of the maybe some of the more challenging aspects of that? Yeah. So uh, a few things I'll just highlight uh, in the midst of that, and I think that's the beauty of that as the, as the Lord has called uh, mom and dad. That kids really, in some ways, are along for the ride, but it's such an opportunity to to disciple your children and just to try to say we want to position them to be open to how the Lord may use them if it's what mom and dad do or something else. And so for us, we really did from the various earliest days of our family. Of course, our oldest daughter, when we went to the Middle East, she was about 18 months old, so she was with us, and our second daughter was born overseas. Uh, and so she that's still a, a badge of honor for her. I oh, mean, yeah? it says on her passport and everything. I mean, it's, it's oh, this overseas wow. place. And so, uh, so there is that. So they know that's part of our family story and history. But some of the things we've done along the way, and we're not perfect. Let me just tell you, we. <laughs> oh, I know. You're uh, not I know you're not. <laughs> that's right. You could. Yeah, you probably talked <laughs> no, to okay. talked to my wife. Um, but a few things we uh, early on, uh, it's not magical or anything, but we do have a kind of a real simple family motto or mission statement uh, to be seen and heard for Jesus. Mm. But we've talked about that since they were little of what does that mean in the home and then outside. And then we've also said part of that is we want to be open to uh, going anywhere that the Lord might take us and serving in ways even if we're uncomfortable. And so we've talked about the nations. So that's one thing. When they were really little, in some ways, it's almost easier. Uh, and so uh, we 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 weren't one of these families. I, I wish I could say we were. That every night, you know, we gathered around the scriptures for an hour, and we, we did do it for two hours. <laughs> well, right, that's perfect. I mean, that's why you're you're in the pastoral ministry. That's right. That's yeah, right. we're just more spiritual. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so what we did was we regularly spent time praying as a family, looking in the scripture. But one of the tools we used, uh, there's uh, Operation World is an old tool. I'm dating myself yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But but a lot of people know that. It, it goes through the world. Here's a place. Mm-hmm. Here's statistics, how you pray. Well, they had a kid's version of that. Uh, Windows onto the world. And it was a great resource. So almost every or most every night when we gathered, we would spend time with our kids looking at places in the world and talking about what is it like to be a kid there how do you want to pray for a kid in that country? And so that was there. Uh, of course, the churches we're involved with, very missions-oriented. And then we also, with all of our kids, we've committed to until uh, if, if they choose that they want to get married, they may not, uh, that w- they're always going to have a passport uh, from the time they're kids. We want that to not be a barrier. And then when they turn 12 years old, we've always said, at, when you turn 12, we're going to pray about and we want to have conversation about your first mission trip. Where do you want to go? And 
I've had the privilege to travel a lot in the world, so I'll usually take one of my kids with me as they turn 12, but they get to choose, and they have to be a part of raising money. We'll give a little bit, but part of that is is we want them to have that experience while they're still in the home. And so we've done other things, but those are some of the things we've done as a family. Yeah. Is there pressure on them to be mm. missionaries as a missionary kid? I mean, I'm just so curious. Now, the more we talk, the yeah. more curious I get as to, yeah. to what it's like, because I think – we're around PKs, right? right? I mean, if you go to church, right. you're typically around PKs. Missionary kids are growing up in different environments, and, yeah, and it's right. just it's obviously different for mm-hmm. them. We also don't have – I've said this in some of my classes – we don't have those MK stereotypes. Right. You know, the PK stereotypes are, oh, well, he's a preacher's kid. Yeah, yeah. Missionary kids, it's often different. But it, is there that pressure growing mm. up in that setting yeah. um, that, well – Sorry, I'm I'm not going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a business person or right. a nurse or a doctor yeah. or whatever that looks like. Yeah, I you know, I think I can say. And again, mm-hmm. uh, maybe my my daughters would say something. Yeah, we should different. bring them yeah, in. Yeah, and we have should. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, and there are some MK stereotypes, but oh, uh, are they? <laughs> yeah, uh, that'll be another podcast. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think my wife and I. We've really tried hard to say, look, we really because we do believe that the Lord works internally and externally through calling. Uh, we believe the Lord uses giftings and talents and abilities that we would love for our kids uh, to end up around the world. And that's a hard prayer to pray as a parent. I, I mean, oh, I would, I would think, yeah, it's easy to to say, but then to actively pray that. But so we we really would love that. However, for our kids. They've been interested in cultures and the nations, and clearly they want to go on uh, mission trips. Uh, and they've dabbled uh, in terms of maybe I'd be open to being mm. a missionary, but none of them, we've never uh, kind of said, hey, that's the option for you. And part of that is the Lord's been kind to us that uh, – my ministerial life has been, yes, as a missionary, but also in the local church and, of course, clearly through uh, teaching uh, in these types of settings. And so they've been around it a lot, and I think they're open and excited about it. Uh, but I don't think there's any pressure because, uh, really, the Lord may choose to use them in some significant ways uh, in other vocations and other capabilities. But w- the one thing my wife and I want for all of our kids, no matter what, is that whatever they do, they can say at the end of each day, we're positioning, we've done all that we can to love God, love others, and to make disciples, whether that's in the workplace or whether that's overseas as a missionary. At NOBTS and Level College, our mission is to prepare servants to walk with Christ, to proclaim His truth, and to fulfill His mission. If God's calling you to take your ministry a step further, let us help. Visit us at nobts.edu. So at the end of of almost every semester when I was MDiv, PhD, I would uh, get done, turn my assignments in, and then I'm reading usually a missionary biography. Good. Uh, Guys like Adoniram Judson, Mm -hmm. you you name it, uh, these guys – um, 
I found them so encouraging. It was weird because I was I was weary. I was yeah, worn out yeah. from the semester, mm-hmm. and I'm reading about these guys. And you, it does give you perspective. Like, mm-hmm. well, hey, at yeah, least I'm not right. hung upside down like Judson was that's in right. Burma, right? That's right. So who are who are? Well, maybe we should narrow it down. Okay, uh, some of your favorite yeah. missionaries from the standpoint of biography. Okay, uh, but also the work that they did. Yeah, uh, if someone. Maybe they've not read a missionary. Mm. Uh, they've not read a missionary biography or about a missionary life. Right, right. Who would you point them to as that one who would whet their appetite uh, for missionaries and, and yeah, uh, that's a great question. Perspective. Yeah, and I do think I think you should always have a missionary biography on your nightstand or in your reading list, whatever yeah. it might be. I just I think that's helpful to to learn from men and women that have come before us that are just normal men and women that happen to love a pretty extraordinary God, and he uses them to do some pretty incredible things, even in the midst of uh, their failings and shortcomings. Uh, And so for me, uh, some of those that would stand out, uh, probably the ones I go to most often, um, one that was influential for me, and and I think that some people have some different viewpoints on their particular ministry, uh, but Breach Co. by Bruce Olson. Uh, it's a short, quick read, and it's it's everything you want in a short, quick read. It's exciting. It's kind of pretty incredible, his story. He was down in uh, Central America, South America. Uh, but then the others, uh, James Fraser, Mountain Rain. Hmm. Uh, he was a missionary to the Lisu people. Uh, and uh, I probably learned in some ways more about prayer from just reading about his life and his challenges yeah. and how he handled that. And so I always recommend that one. It was pretty life-changing. And then two others – uh, the other is David Brainerd. He oh, is yeah. just, yeah, yeah. he, uh, his journals uh, mm-hmm. and just reading about him. And I think from him, it really is one that God could redeem his story in some significant ways to where he started. Listen, I resonate. I started terribly in college. Mm. Uh, you would never think I'd be doing the things I'm doing now. And you yeah, see if you I read to <laughs> Brainerd's story. But then just his perseverance in the midst of, I mean, really, humanly speaking, pretty terrible man yeah, <laughs> i mean yeah. uh but uh, but i appreciate that again he's a little more introspective maybe at times than you need to be but i appreciated that honesty and then the last one is a name that most are familiar with uh, but hudson taylor yeah uh, i typically give people outside of uh, james fraser's book uh, his book spiritual secret similar to george mueller they mm. came from the same school yeah they so did I, I think there's this dependence on the lord but hudson taylor clearly uh, he really was uh, groundbreaking in the sense of wanting to reach the people he was living among by learning from them, understanding them, even beginning to adapt and change not just his dress but his methods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those there are many more, but those are probably the ones that I might recommend. Again, Mountain Rain, Spiritual Secret, David Brainerd's uh, the diary and journal yeah. uh, of David Brainerd, and even Bruchko to a certain level, and there are others, but those. What stand is out. that, Bruchko? Bruchko. That was his name. His okay. name's Bruce Olson. It sounds like an action figure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you read the story, and it's kind of like that. And so some people are like, "Yeah, was that all?" You know, because okay. you know how missionaries are. Sometimes they kind of tell a big story, but uh, preachers like, never do that. Nah, we don't nah. exaggerate at all. But uh, but no, those are some, and there are many others. But those would be some. Last one, uh, if if you're really looking for that Southern Baptist uh, missionary, uh, Bill Wallace, who was a medical missionary who was martyred, uh, really 1951, so not that long ago. Mm. Um, and so Bill Wallace would be another one as well. So for the pastors, church leaders, serving in the local yeah. churches, good. Um, 
to to stir up a heart for missions. Mm-hmm. I'd say this: I was uh, as a young guy, I was in college serving as a youth minister under a guy. I'd never, never, honestly, I don't think I'd ever thought about right. overseas missions. Yeah. Uh, and I had the the stereotypical reaction to their mission trip to Honduras it was, "Well, we got lost people here. Why are y'all going over there?" <laughs> yeah. And the pastor I was serving under at the time, he he basically made me. Go wow. overseas. Okay, good for it him. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Um, he made me preach my first sermon, go to, <laughs> go on my first mission trip, and visit New Orleans Seminary. Okay, wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, very formative guy in my life. Yeah, that's great. Um, hmm. So when we go down there, I remember um, we were on this bus. I'm on the very back of the bus. I'm in the, the back seat. <laughs> Yeah. We're driving in the middle. We've you know we flew into Tegucigalpa, which is an adventure all, in and of itself. You said that really well, like you yeah. knew, well, knew how to pronounce you. that. Yeah, That's yeah. great. Yeah, I'm an expert on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tegucigalpa yeah. uh, for uh, for short. We fly in there uh, several hours now on a bus. Mm. We're going into this village. This village they hadn't had rain in, oh. and it was a couple of months. I okay. believe. Okay. Uh, and we're we're coming in on our bus, and I was looking at the poverty, and I was saying I, I was some God was stirring in my heart, but I was not understanding that it was God. Mm. I was just really I, I was floored and frustrated and upset at God. Yeah, and I said mm. I remember thinking and almost maybe whispering this to myself, God, what what is going on here? Like how is this possible? Yeah. With wow. you, almost that question—the problem mm-hmm. of evil, right? Right, right. And it was like, what, what, are, what can be done for this? Right. And it was like God uh, established why I was there. Never forgotten what it was all about. Mm. It was like God spoke into my heart and said, "Why do you think you're here?" Okay, wow. That's like, I've called you. I've called yeah. these people to come and share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And to share. now, what was fascinating while we were there that week, we saw a lot of people get saved, and it started raining. Wow. And the people said, y'all brought the rain. Wow. We were able to say, no, no, no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, God, that's... God is in charge of <laughs> the good. rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, that's good. he blessed y'all yeah. with rain. It wow. just so happened that we were that's here. That's amazing, though. So for for guys that are serving in the local churches, mm-hmm. I believe they read their Bibles, right? reading missionary biographies. Any, any other things you would add to that as to stirring that, mm-hmm. that zeal and that urge for missions? Yeah, so I would say for those that are serving in, maybe they're on the pastoral staff or the pastor, or even just a part of a church, uh, in addition to the things that we've talked about, I really do think in the local church that it's from the top down in the sense of if the pastor or any other leadership isn't passionate about the nations or hasn't been, they need to go. And so they need to take an opportunity to go somewhere else like you did. And and even it not only shapes how you might preach and think about lostness, because now lostness isn't just this category. You begin to see specific people and yeah. specific places. But even that pastor in your life, they have opportunities to begin to encourage and affirm in others Hey, why don't you consider this? Why don't um, why don't you not consider this? You're doing this, mm. so I would say being involved there. I would say as well, they need to know their own community because it doesn't. There's nothing magical about going somewhere else. Although I think it's helpful, it widens your categories, as it were. But I think looking in your own community, is there who's represented there? Uh, where are the nations? What nations do we have here? And, and many would say, Well, I'm in a small one stoplight place. Uh, that, I, I hear that, but you still have. I'm probably 
certain that you might have maybe it's just a mexican restaurant mm. i mean if that's all you got then you go go eat there and think about hey maybe we could start praying in church for the country of mexico or somewhere else in Central America, South America, uh, places like that. So I would encourage that. Um, you know, I, I think as well. Again, uh, awareness. What can you do to raise awareness in your own life? Uh, you know, we mentioned Operation World. You've got Joshua Project. You've got the IMB Prayer Points. Uh, you can subscribe for your own personal. Uh, devotions, but also that's something you can bring out in a sermon. Hey, here's a story I heard from overseas, and the Lord can begin to direct your heart. And again, you don't have to be overseas long term, uh, but I do think we need to at least have the category and have the nations on our mind all the time. And so I would encourage those things. The last thing I'll say is the reason why I think going is so important, even if it's for a week, a short term Mm -hmm. amount of time, and that's okay. I think it's important, uh, two things. One, I know the first time I went overseas and I heard men and women, other Christ followers or other believers, singing and praying in a different language, it changed my outlook on the world. Uh, And then the other piece is whenever you come back, kind of how you were moved frustrated and mad and asking those questions, I think it changes how you pray. Uh, it changes yeah, how you see God and how you pray, then how you want to encourage others in your congregation to go and do likewise. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Good stuff. I remember when we came back, um, people would ask me for a week or two afterward. I yeah. couldn't even talk. Wow. I would yeah. tear up and I would just, mm. I was overwhelmed with lostness. Yeah. I yeah. really was. Yeah. Uh, and But you sort of have to go see it. You do. Um, mm-hmm. To experience it. Uh it was great to have you. Yeah, it was uh, great fun. to have you on on the uh, the podcast today. We'll bring you back and we'll talk more mission strategy things Good. like that. That'd, That'd be, be awesome. This is what I'm going to ask you to do to close us out, though. We've got church leaders, pastors. Would you pray mm-hmm. for our church leaders, for our pastors specifically, for their heart, for yeah. their burden, for the nations, for mm-hmm. lostness, that God would stir up and and raise up a generation mm-hmm. to go into the harvest fields? Yeah, would I'd you be, pray for us? I'd be honored. Lord God, we do come before you, and I pray for all of those that are listening right now, Lord, those those pastors, those church members, those those staff members, whoever is out here listening, Lord, I do pray uh, that for all of them, including us, Lord, that you would continue to stir up uh, your heartbeat, your love for those around us. Uh, I think of Matthew 9. Uh, where Jesus, when you saw the people, uh, just the people around you that you saw beneath the faces, you saw their actual need, who they really were, harassed and helpless. And so, Lord, give us eyes to see, give them eyes to see. Uh, But I pray it doesn't stop just with our own community, that we would realize that there are men and women that even right now have uh, woken up, gone about their day, and gone to sleep without any opportunity to hear about the name of Jesus. And that's that's just not right. And you have said that you want to use your church, your people, uh, those that are even listening right now, you want to use us out in the harvest field. And so, Lord, would you stir up more laborers? Would it begin where we are? Would it expand to the nations? And, Lord, we look forward to that day where we're gathered around your throne, King Jesus, and we hear peoples from every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping you. And so we pray uh, until that day that we would be busy loving people, making disciples, and taking the gospel even to those who haven't heard. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening to To Win the Many, a podcast of the Caskey Center at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. The Caskey Center for Church Excellence provides ministerial resources, including undergraduate and graduate scholarships for ministers serving Southern Baptist churches in Alabama, Indiana, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, and Wyoming. For access to additional resources or more information about our scholarship opportunities, visit our website at caskeycenter.com or nobts.edu.